0: Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. my name is Brent Russell. I am the director of Crossover Norman, and I want to personally thank each of you all for coming here tonight. I can assume one of three things of why you are here tonight on Valentine's Day. The first is obvious. You're single. Amen. Two, your Valentine is out of town. Any amens there? Right? Number three, you got a super holy boyfriend that said, you know what? Why would we waste a worship experience on something man-made? We're going to go worship Jesus at crossover tonight. All right? That's what I like to hear. And he might just be cheap. All right? So (laughs) let's just be honest here. Hey, I was raised up in old school Southern Baptists. Anybody with me out there? All right, old school. Back in the day, before there was this cool thing called Awanas, all right, that's all fancy-dancy, memorized Bible verses and stuff, you're so holy. We had this thing called RAs, and RAs was called Royal Ambassadors. Now, how cool is that, right? I was a Royal Ambassador. But what it was is it was just a Bible study for kids that weren't in the youth group yet, for boys that weren't in the youth group yet. And every year, all the associations within like two hours would meet at our track there um, close to where I lived, and we would have a track meet for literally from first grade all the way to sixth grade. Every year I went to this track meet. And I remember, I think it was like third or fourth grade, it was a specific track meet, and... It was fourth grade. Fourth grade. And every year before that, there was this one kid that, no lie, I would, be, I would be winning. And every year, this one kid would always run right past me and win it during the finals. So fourth grade, I'm sitting there. And, I'm, and we show up. And I'm looking around. And homeboy ain't there. I'm excited. Like it ain't, like, I'm like, I'm going to win this one. I'm going to win this one. And guess what? Right before we start, he rolls up. Guys, Listen. He had like the fluorescent yellow shorts on, had the spandex underneath the shorts, had the Nikes that matched the shorts, and then the tank that, I mean, just the fit was fit, you know? He looked like he was going 200 miles an hour without even moving. I'm like, I looked at my dad and I was like, great, right? He's like, you got it, buddy, you got it. Well, there's three heats. They take the the top two fastest from each heat and then you race a final and whoever wins that, wins the whole thing everybody else is losers that's how athletics go right anyways we actually are placed together on the third heat and we're I'm like I'm gonna give it my all it's a hundred meter dash you know and you're like you're like four foot two so it's like a mile for a four foot two-year-old all right four foot two-year-old right (laughs) you know what I meant it's Valentine's Day we're here I blasted out of the blocks, man, and I am scooting, like walking on water, all right, as a, as a, as a fourth grader, walking on water, and I'm, I'm killing it. Right, I'm looking at him. He's way behind. Everybody's behind. We're good. I'm chugging along, and no lie, five feet from the finish line, same thing. Homeboy just runs right past me like I wasn't even there and wins the heat. And I, I go back to my dad. He's like, there's just no way I can beat him. There's just no way. He's like, son come here all right he kneels down beside me just like a good loving father and he says you know what why don't you just trust me all right will you do something for me why don't you slow down at the beginning all right pay attention to your steps and I want you just to make sure that you're making some good steps some high knees chin up all right but stay your pace don't worry about everybody else I want you to have a good pace but I don't want you to go too too far too fast right it's like, dad, it's just not gonna win. He's like, he's like, son, just listen to me. He goes, and then I want you to listen. And I'll tell you when you need to go. I said, All right. I had nothing to lose. I've already lost like three years in a row to this guy. So I listen to my dad. I get on the blocks. The dude shoots the gun. Your boy's just cruising. All right, making sure I got the great strides, high knees. I mean, I'm looking professional. I'm with the crowd. And we're about a little over halfway, and I hear my dad says, Now! Go, go, go. Russell Turbo Boost, come on. Boy, is smoke. And the guy usually beats me. He's in front of me this time. And it was like he was walking in sand I was going so fast. And I won, right? The whole church was there, cheered me on, picked me up, cheered me up. No, it wasn't. They handed me a medal, and they went to the fifth grade race. But to me, it was great. I loved it, right? I beat him finally. You know my question for you guys? is what if dating is like my third grade royal, or fourth grade royal ambassador race? What if God is kneeling beside you right now? He says, why don't you just slow down a little bit? Why don't you make sure we got some of these steps, right? You're taking these steps, right? You're holding your back, right? right. You're breathing, right? Why don't you make sure that we're doing some things right, right now, so you don't have another burnout of a relationship? What if he's saying, like, just slow down. Why don't you trust me? Why don't we work on some things? And then when it's time, when you are ready, when you know that you are ready, then I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say, go, go, go. Right, right, right now. Right now, go do it. Like, this is it. You're ready for it. Like, can I just be honest with you? I know how big of a deal dating is. I know how big of a deal relationships are to you. There is nothing in my life Nothing in my life have I been more down or depressed on than relationships. You know, when writing the sermon, I had a little time to reflect on some of those relationships. I got to look at some of my relationships in college and, and high school and seminary, and I got to look at that, and I kind of, kind of just wish, man, I just wish that I would have Slowed down. I wish I wouldn't have jumped into some of these relationships because I wasn't, at, I wasn't the person that I was supposed to be. And what I was doing was I was fighting an uphill battle in a relationship that I should have never been in to begin with. So students, listen. We're in our relationship series, and we talked about who we are to date last week. And I think this week it's just only fitting about, like, when should we date? Like, when is the right time for us to date in this world? If you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read the text, and then I want to tell you why I picked this text. But Ephesians 5, verse 15, and it says this, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Is that not becoming even more true? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing heart, giving thanks always and for everything. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, the Lord brought me to this passage, and I believe wholeheartedly many dating relationships, especially in, probably even in this midst right here, but with a lot of us in this room, many of our relationships weren't broken, weren't shattered because the other person was an evil person, even though some of y'all would probably admit that, right? Right? But most of our relationships have ended because we were not the person that we were supposed to be in that re- relationship. We were not prepared to take that next step in a relationship because our relationship with Jesus wasn't correct yet. It wasn't right yet. Because if, if this relationship isn't right, then no other relationship is going to be right with you. If this relationship with the Jesus isn't right, then I'm telling you, friendships are going to be a little different. Relationships are going to be a little different. Maybe some um, relationships with your parents. Maybe, and some of y'all are sitting here like wondering, like, man, I think the world is out to get me. Everybody hates me. Well, maybe the problem isn't with you and them. Maybe it's between you and God. And you got to build this relationship before you can focus on any other relationship. See, Paul is writing this book to the church at Ephesus to display the scope of God's eternal plan for, for humanity. And he has this secret plan, and he, he exposes the secret that everybody had been talking about and wondering about. And he says, listen, this is the secret that everybody needs to know about, is that that there was a separation between us and God, and, and then he sent his son to fill that separation and to come and die for our sins, and if we trust in Him, and we believe in Him, and we give Him our life, then listen, we have an eternal relationship with God the Father. We, have, we can spend eternity with Him. But that's not all. Because when you have that knowledge, and you believe in Jesus, and you walk with Jesus, and you know His Holy Spirit, then you can go battle against the darkness of this world... You can go against the devil and his demons for the glorification of God and the building up of his church. But this is the the thing here, is that Paul lists some non-negotiables that we as saved people are supposed to have. Essentially, he wraps everything up. What I love about Ephesians is, is... Really, the the plot of it is that we are supposed to take off our old self, and we're supposed to put on our new self, we're supposed to become more like Jesus, walk like Jesus, think like Jesus, and that's where we get the process of sanctification, is becoming more like Jesus in all that we do, all that we say, and all that we are. Now if that relationship is so important, if Jesus is going to save us from all of our sins, if Jesus is going to save us and give us an eternity forever, just think about that for a second. He gives us an eternity with him forever. If that is supposed to be so important, don't you think that we need to get that relationship right and figured out and going good before we start putting our thoughts and actions with other relationships? Because how many of us know what happens when you try to date someone before you're the person that you need to be? Alright, let's dig into it. What I think that Paul has lined out is that there's some things that we need to evaluate so we can see if it is time for us to date. I love verse 15. He says, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise have the best use of your time for the days are evil i love how paul writes like i love how he thinks i can i can just kind of sense how, where he's going and a lot of his verses is a lot of self-reflection like like self-evaluation and he says here he says why don't you evaluate why don't you look carefully how you walk and make sure it's wise and not unwise now listen i didn't really know like how I was going to explain this text any more than the text explains itself. Like, like, I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. Like, I didn't know if I was like, hey, just don't be a bunch of idiots, all right? Like, like don't be stupid, right? How how horrible would that be for me to say? But seriously, don't be stupid, right? Like, like I just didn't understand. Like, how can I say this any more diligently than he says it? And it hit me. I know that there's so many people in this room right now that you want to be wise. You know who Jesus is, you know what he's done, and you want to be wise, and you want to grow, but maybe you just don't know how to. Maybe some of us in here, we know who Jesus is, we know what Jesus has done, but we don't really necessarily know what we're missing out on, and and maybe you're both. Maybe you don't know what you what you're missing out on, and maybe you don't know how to grow in him. And I'm just looking at this and I'm like, man, Lord, just give me a, a a word to say to like a and I'm looking at this text and the only thing that God could show me was awe. Like AWE, like like these people need to learn about this powerful word. And that's my first point of today is like we need to learn how to grow in awe of the Lord. If you want to be wise, I feel like you need to grow in awe of the world. The only way for us to not be unwise is for us to be wise. And the Proverbs says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord in this sense isn't a, I'm scared of Jesus, I'm going to run away from Jesus, I'm going to hide from Jesus. That's not the fear. The fear of the Lord is a reverent fear. It is a respectful fear. It's a, it's a fear of this, that have you ever sat down and tried to think about eternity? Anybody with me? Like, you really try to grasp it? Anybody of y'all trip out? Come on, right? You're like, wait. Wait. We're never going to end? Like, it never ends, right? Like, That's fear. That's fear one way, but then you think, oh, wait, but Jesus is going to be there. And Jesus loves me, and he promises me so many things. And he promises me it's going to be peaceful, and there's not going to be a tear. There's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be sorrow. And, man, that just puts you at a place of peace. Yeah, you have such a, a respectful, loving respect for Jesus, and that is just an all moment that you know that He has the best for you. That is the good fear that I am talking about. You know, um, what's crazy to me when it comes to all moments is it often comes. In the little moments of life. Like don't get me wrong, I love church. I love to go listen to to sing a good worship song. All right. Uh, I went to Passion this past couple months ago. I mean Cody Carnes and Carrie Job up there slaying it like they took me to Jesus, okay? Like, like Brandon Lake, like even though he was in leopard pants, like he took me to Jesus. All right, like I love it. Like Louis Gigolo took me to Jesus. Don't get me wrong, I love it. I experienced it in a real way, but it's the little moments that really stand out to me. I remember it was a couple weeks ago, and I was just, um, I was on fire for Jesus, guys. I had like four or five days where I was waking up real early and I was getting in the Word, and I'm telling you, it was. It slapped, bro, like, i like, I loved it, like it, I was excited to wake up in the morning, all right, I was excited to wake up in the morning, getting the word, and like, God was working on me, and man, I was reading about David and Saul, for goodness sakes, so I'm like, man, this is, this is, like, it's like I never had read it before, even though I read it a thousand times, but God was showing me things, I was excited, I'd get up, I'd pray, I'd feel the holy hug of the spirit in the morning, right, and man, I would just go out the day and own it, but one day I woke up, prayed, gotten the word and I, I didn't feel it. I didn't I didn't feel it and I go to work. I mean, it was a monster I couldn't even handle. And it felt like a a ton of bricks was on me. And then I was trying to do a thousand things for crossover. Like, I just didn't feel like I could get done. And, like, I was getting phone calls after phone calls, questions after questions. And, like, I just was like, God, I need you. Like, please show up. I need to fill you right now. Like, like, Lord, I need you to take this. And I'm begging God. And, like, I'm just sitting there anxious. And then I look at the clock and I'm late to pick up my oldest friend. Son from school, and I rush over there. This is right after a snow day, and um, I'm skidding all over the road on the ice. It probably wasn't the safest thing in the world, but I get there, and I had to run one more errand, and we get to the place, and I realized I left my cell phone at work, and I didn't tell Caroline that we were going somewhere else after school, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, and so I rush home just to meet my seven-month pregnant wife, who was crying because she thought we had died and wrecked on the side of the road in Norman, Oklahoma, in a ditch. I was like, where's there there a ditch at Norman, all right? But she had already called the school. She's called all of Norman, seeing where I was only gone for 20 minutes, all right? But... But she's tripping, but I'm like just more, more stuff. Like it was just hard. I was like, sorry, babe. Yes, I left my phone and she's like hugging her baby, like Revan, of course, not me. But she was like, oh, my baby's like, I'm like, okay. But I'm like, I'm stressed even more. So I walk outside, I walk in the backyard acting like I'm working on something, but I wasn't (laughs) like, and I'm like, God, I, I, like, I need you. Like, 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 I need you. And no lie, you're going to think I'm crazier than I already am. But I'm sitting there, and this beam of light, the sun shines through the trees and kind of gets my attention. I look up, and I hear a bird chirping, all right? Now, you know, each type of bird has a different sound in, in the way that they whistle and chirp. And what was funny is that I hadn't heard this chirp in years. And it took me back to when I was eight years old, I had something happen and I needed Jesus to come and Jesus talked to me with this bird when I was eight years old. And like, I knew it was Jesus and Jesus was there, right? And it just was a holy moment and it made me like, at that moment, you know, so many years later, I remember hearing that bird and just remembering that Jesus took care of me then and I knew that Jesus was going to take care of me now. And I was just, I'm telling you, it it brought a tear to my eye. My question to you college students is simply this. When was the last time you had such an experience with Jesus that it changed you? When was the last time you had such an experience with Jesus Because listen, when that experience happened to me, I knew that Jesus was there. I knew that he was, I I was just in awe of him. I just knew that he was coming to comfort me and I was talking with him and listen, everything, all the commotion, all the stress, all the anxiety in my life, it left at that moment and I became a different person at that moment because I had an experience with Jesus. It was an awe moment. Students, we have to seek Jesus for those awe moments. Seek it when you read the Bible. I'm telling you, it's all over the Bible. He will show up in many ways. Seek it when times get hard. Seek it when things are great. Don't forget to leave Jesus out of great things. And I'm telling you, it will change you. So I would beg you, evaluate how you're growing in awe. Then in verse 17, it says, don't be foolish, but know what the will of the Lord is. Here, here Paul is giving a negative again. Don't be a fool, but what? Know the will of the Lord. The way to not be foolish is for us to know the will of the Lord. And when we know the will of the Lord, we should not be foolish. My point number two would be this, is I would grow in his will. Students, I have thousands of conversations about this one question I wish I just knew the will of God for my life. You know what college students, top five questions of college students, I wish I knew the will of God for my life. And I'm like, well, have you not read the Bible, right? Like, come on, guys, you read this? I'm not just joking. I don't say that that means, maybe a little bit. But the Bible is the will of God for your life. And if, if the words of Jesus, if he says, then we, we should be this, then we should be it. If Jesus says, we need to go do this, then we need to go do it. If Jesus says, we need to quit this, then we need to quit it. And that is the will of God for your life. Knowing the will of God, I'm t- I promise you this, knowing the will of God for our life is the easy part. Some of y'all are questioning me right now, like, is it really that easy? Is the Bible that easy to understand? 1 Thessalonians 4.3, what does it say? For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his or her own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. The Bible is very clear on the will of God for our life. It's become more like Jesus and everything that we do and everything that we say. Students, the problem with growing in his will is not because we don't know his will. It's because we don't trust his will over our own will. And maybe some of us, we don't know his will. Let's just be honest here, because I've been doing college ministry long enough, maybe some of us in here, we don't know the will of God because we're not reading the word of God. Like we will scroll all day on Instagram and Snapchat. We will look at that all day long. We might study a book every, you know, occasionally from time to time. But how much time are we putting into the word of God? It says that the angels stand in awe about the word of God and they have seen God. How much of this book are we implying to our life? Either way. Us not knowing God's will is not a God problem. It's a we problem. You want to grow in His will? Get to know His will and do His will? And the purpose that you've been waiting for, the drive, the, the jobs, everything, it will all make sense at that point is that if every direction of your life, if every facet of who you are, of everything that you do, everything that you say, the way that you dress, the way that you act, it's for one goal and one goal alone, for me to decrease and for Jesus to increase, for me to look less like the world and for me to look more like Jesus Christ who gave his all for me. That is the will of God for our life, is for us to be like Jesus in this world, to love like Jesus, to treat others like Jesus did. Lastly, I wanted to end this last section with I wish I had time to, to kind of dissect everything that we read, but I'm not going to be able to do so. But let's look at verse 18. I know y'all are really excited about this one. Do not get drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. Like how popular am I going to be next week after talking about drinking and getting drunk to hundreds of college students, right? First off, let's just go off the dome here. All right, let's use, use our, our brains here. Getting drunk is just a blatant sin. All right, I can't, I can't sugarcoat it any better than that. If you are getting drunk, you are sinning. There is no question about that. I think we all know deep down, we're not really proud of ourselves after we get drunk anyway. I think a lot of us, if we get drunk and we see ourselves in the soul exposer the next morning, the, the mirror, like you're not real excited to look at yourself in the mirror, right? It's like you brush your teeth and you look at everything else but your eyeballs, right? Like, like you don't want to stare at yourself because you know that you're going to feel something. But let's take a little bit better look at this. Why do you think Paul squeezes this one little sentence into this beautiful structure here? Like how fitting is it that he sandwiched this one section of don't get drunk with wine between understanding the will of the Lord in our life and giving thanks to the Lord for all of our life? It just kind of stuck out to me and I, I think he sandwiched it because when you walk in the will of the Lord, you always will give thanks to the Lord because of all that he has given you. And how awesome he is, how beautiful he is, how holy he is, how loving he is. And if something ever comes in between you walking in the Lord, Lord's will, there will never be, neither one of them will work, right? It will separate you Uh, it'll separate the two and not be able to do it again. That's why he sandwiched these two because if it becomes in the middle of you living in the will of the Lord and thinking Lord, you won't be able to do either. I don't think many of us get drunk to get drunk. I think many of us get drunk either to numb some pain or try to fit in with everybody else. Either way, what is happening is alcohol is becoming a substitute for the Holy Spirit. If you want to live in the Lord's will, then you got to rely on the Holy Spirit. And when you are bypassing the Holy Spirit to help you in a pain area or bring you friendships or bring you peace or calm you down or to find your community, then you are stepping out of the will of the Lord and you are bringing in something else to be the Holy Spirit for you. Personally, in experience with some of my friends, and some of my own family members, is that if you're willing to, uh, to substitute relying on the Holy Spirit with alcohol, let's take it a step farther, if you're willing to, separate, to substitute the Holy Spirit with getting drunk, there are not many other things that you won't bypass the Holy Spirit for as well. Substitution becomes more normal than your submissiveness to God. Now, when I was, it was probably about three, or four years ago, I was, uh, uh, my truck, uh, the AC blew out on it. Uh, it was only like three years old at the time, so that was great. Uh, I go to order the part for it, and every year model that year, uh, I think 75% of them, the AC, uh, the condenser failed on it. So I tried to order a condenser, there was a four month wait on the part. I was like, oh my gosh, and this is, this is, we're getting into summertime, all right? Like, it gets hot up in here. And so I just remember, like, the first couple weeks, I'd rolled the windows down, like, I got the back sweat going on, I started getting the smiley face, because I got a nice little inner tube right here, you know, that pinches when I sit down, yes, I got a little bit of a jelly roll, dad bod, 101, all right? But I just remember those first couple weeks, man, I was like, oh, this is horrible, this is miserable. But, you know, over time, I started getting more used to it. And about the second month, I didn't even realize it anymore. I just rolled the windows down, and then I would drive. I got used to the heat. Students, my question to you is, have you gotten gotten used to substituting the Spirit with something else rather than relying on the Spirit to help? Because if that's the case, let's just... Let's look at the reality of things. Hebrews eleven six, it says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Can we say that we are pleasing God if we are substituting something instead of having the Holy Spirit and God take us out of it? So that's my third point is we got to grow in the Holy Spirit. Don't allow yourself anymore to substitute things where God is supposed to be. If you are getting drunk, there's a why to that. It's more than just like, I'm doing it to do it. No, no. Like, there's a reason why you are relying on this to become your Holy Spirit. There's some reason. Like, you need to do some self-evaluation. You need to dive in. Like, why am I doing this exactly? Why do I keep on doing the same thing over and over and over? Maybe it's something other than alcohol. I don't know what it is. What what is something else that you substitute rather than relying on the Holy Spirit for? And you've gotten so comfortable bypassing the Holy Spirit and latching onto something else to give you this fake peace. Have we gotten used to the heat? Have we gotten used to substituting? Now let me warn you about something. Let me be real with you for just one second is that if you're constantly substituting the Holy Spirit with something else, and you keep on wondering, why is my life so hard? It's because the Spirit wants to be a part of your life. And the Spirit's crying out to, to, to the Spirit of God, and He wants to connect and grow. He wants to have those awe moments. He wants to have a real relationship with you and grow with you. And He's saying, hey, bro, like, let's do this. Like, like, I want to grow with you. I want, I want to do amazing things with you. But on the flip side of that, students, if you are constantly substituting something else for the Spirit of Christ, and you're okay with it, and maybe you're a little happy of it, maybe you have a little pride because of it, maybe you don't have the Spirit. Maybe you don't have Jesus in your life. And let me tell you, you're missing out on something amazing. You're missing out on eternity with him. And maybe tonight is the night that you can look at that and say, man, I need Jesus. Because we can all say all day that we have Jesus and we know what Jesus has done, but does our life look like Jesus? The only way that if you know if you're a Christian is if you're trying to be more like Jesus and know Jesus and grow with Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus but if your life has never looked like him, if you've never had that inward desire to grow with him, it's a real responsibility for you to make sure that you know that you know that you know the Bible says. You know, students, listen up. I didn't tell you how to pursue a girl or get her number tonight, did I? Some of you are like, gummit, Brent, I needed to know that. I didn't teach you how to dress or how to talk. But you know what I did teach you? is I wish that I would have done this before I dated. I wish I would have made sure that I was ready to know who I was, who I was in Jesus, growing with Jesus, knowing Jesus, before I ever dated, waited to grow in awe of God in such a way that I looked at him in the little things and I grew with him in the little things. And that I thought, I, I, I thought, I wish I would have, man, I wish I would have thought that I, uh, about walking wisdom. Guys, I look at some of my old Facebook messages from 2007, right? Y'all weren't even born yet, right? But I'm like, I was an idiot. Like like I was why would I ever say that to somebody, right? Like, I wish I was wise. Guys, be wise, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk in wisdom rather than sexual desires and loves lust of the flesh. I wish I would have grown in his will, reading his Bible, memorizing his Bible, uh, meditating on his words, talking about it with my friends, and holding each other accountable. That alone would have changed the trajectory of my life. And lastly, I wish I would have had a non-negotiable of squashing anything that I I was substituting with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, when you can uh, be these things and talk these things and walk these things with Jesus uh, and you make this relationship great, it makes it so much easier to have a dating relationship. Because you're not seeking the. to to find things in people to be your Jesus in you, right? You're not seeking ways and making them your God. No, no, no. You're coming from a point where Jesus is already your God. You're already fulfilled in him. And you're running this race. And and you're trying all that you can. And you're looking to your left and to your right. And you're going to see a person that is running after Jesus. They don't need you to be their Jesus. You don't need them to be your Jesus. But you see that there's an ultimate goal in your life to glorify God with all that you want are, to give them your all, to shine bright in this world for Jesus, and you will want to connect your life with them. So when should you date? When you have grown in all of the Lord, when you're growing in his will, and when you're growing in his spirit.